this is going to be a sort of a quicker episode. Not quicker, but we uh we may or may not lose power. Yeah, so or have like a tree fall somewhere. But I found some pretty interesting stuff. I knew. Are you guys getting sick of Jack the Ripper? If so, I'll move on. No, I want to. No, I I want to finish Jack the Ripper. Like I feel like we're making really interesting progress with this. Yeah, but I don't mind. I can take are a break. You, are you getting tired of Jack the Ripper? Is that what you're trying to get at? Pretty much. No, because I feel like if you abandon it now, you're not going to go back to it. Yeah, that's probably true. All right, let's do this, man, before we lose power. Breaking news. Leather Apron has been apprehended. What? Leather Apron, remember? Yeah. yeah. So like Jack the Ripper was caught. I didn't say that. I said Leather Apron was caught. So other Leather Apron you don't think is Jack the Ripper and that's what the newspapers were unsure of? All I just said was Leather Apron was apprehended. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying anything else. All right. Actually, we're going to start on the butt side of the Annie Chapman murder. That was the one where her innards were wrapped around her neck. From from Lloyd's Weekly, the 30th of September, 1888, the brute who committed the offense did not even take the trouble to cover up his ghastly work, but left the body exposed to the view of the first comer. There are two things missing. Her rings had been wrenched from her fingers and have not been found, and the uterus had been taken away. All right, that's how I wanted to start it. Now, we're still talking about Annie Chapman. I didn't say that in the last episode. So they didn't discover that or release that information until later. They didn't didn't release that until about two weeks later. So I stopped my newspaper research after we found the condition of the body, probably on September 12th, I think, of 1888 is, when was this? Um, yeah, September 12th-ish. So she was killed on September 10th. Okay. And this information just came out. I mean, it came out 120 years ago, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> day by day, it came out, not immediately, a couple days later. Yeah. I'm going to make a few redactions, though, from some of the last newspapers I read on the previous episodes. Now, the redactions are not my fault. It's just the papers come out later and they redact some things. I just wanted to make it clear that since I'm going day by day, I don't catch these until the newspaper catches the them. newspaper yeah. catches them, which is frustrating, but it also it also is real, right? And this is also how fake news gets started, mm. I guess. I don't know. So the Scotland Yard declared, now we're talking about Annie Chapman. She was the one that was murdered on Hanbury Street. She, it was six, it was six in the morning, daylight, a man slashes her. She says, no, no, someone hears. And then within a 15 minute time frame, mm -hmm. this man slashes her, ties her bowels around her neck, ties a handkerchief around her neck, and then apparently removes her uterus all within 15 minutes or less in broad daylight in, in the yard of an apartment complex that has housed about 15 to 20 people at the time, most of which had awakened when they heard the body of the woman hit the side of the house. So very, wow. very ballsy. Plus, this guy did it when the market, the Spitalfield Marketplace was open and it was packed. Hmm. The street that the market was on and the murder was only separated by a wooden gate that was closed. Yep. But if you knew how to get in, there was a latch and you just open it up to get in. Okay. But you would have to know that information to know that it would be available. Got it. Yeah. These little details are so damn important. And then they we are. 
then we talked about the barmaids. Yes. Who saw this man that freaked him out. Yep, covered in blood. The Scotland Yard declared that the leather apron found by the side of the murdered woman was an error. There was a leather apron hanging on a nail. It was the landlady's son who was a cabinet maker. So there was a leather apron. So here's how here's how this worked back in the day. And I'm thinking because it was very ineffective is the reason why we do press conferences now. Because uh. I, I have not seen a press conference mentioned at all. So here's what I'm thinking happens in the 1800s. A murder is committed. There's a body on the street. Constables go over there, the coroner, everyone else, and then who else? A bunch of newspaper men who are not asking questions. They're just kind of reporting what they're seeing. You know what I'm saying? And I think the cops don't want to give information. So they're literally just printing, you know, they, they have creative liberty. Oh, there's an apron. It must be the killers, you know? I mean, and because the newspaper said there was an apron found by the body. Yeah. It didn't say anything about an apron hanging from a nail that is obviously used because everyone right. has leather aprons, right? I mean, a lot of people did. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. All right. Some other uh, interesting things I found. Just real quick. One is about the anti-Semitism. That's how you say it, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't even notice this, but you know how we were saying that this Jack Jack the Ripper is po possibly Jewish? Yes. And that he was of marked Hebrew type? Mm -hmm. Okay, I didn't really understand this at the time. I just thought, okay, that's an accurate description. But apparently their anti-Semitism has been around for a while. So I found one writer who wrote into the paper as like a column, and he said the following. No, it didn't have blood on it. That's a, that's a really good question, Martin. The apron was, it didn't have blood on it, and it hadn't been used in a while. It was there so the landlady's son can go down and check the cellar, and, the, and that's about it. But it was just hanging on the, like, on the uh, fence area, you know? That's a really good question, though. Yeah. But you can see how this is just, it gets out of hand really mm -hmm. quick. And this is what's frustrating about doing this case front to back because, like, I'm falling into all this stuff, right? Anyway, about the anti-Semitism, some guy wrote in, The ignorant denizens of Whitechapel have become possessed of the idea that some dissolute Jew has committed the horrible crimes upon two outcast women. They argue in their own rude way that a person born within the pale of Christian society could never have committed crimes so appallingly savage. Mm. Therefore, they jump to the conclusion that only a mouster among the Hebrew community committed the atrocities. At present, there is a fear that an anti-Jewish agitation may spring out of the present unreasoning prejudice. Interesting. Good for that uh, writer to submit that to the news paper and call him out on it. Yeah. I'm telling you, this leather apron. So why are the police arresting leather apron? Because I'm telling you, every paper is just like leather apron. He's described as this. Well, they did it to sell more papers. I mean, this and whole leather apron thing gets real out of hand. <laughs> Tell me. Yeah. You know, I thought it may have been just a little blip, but it is literally in every paper. I mean, but they're 
there are still like the rumors about le- leather apron or are you saying you think that maybe they're just rumors? Like maybe this isn't a thing that's happened a lot. What has the whole leather apron like leaves women half dead or something, you know, whatever. Oh, you think that that's just I don't know. I'm not saying I'm not ruling out leather apron. I'm just saying he was arrested. What about we're going to talk about man that. in the bar, mm. the man in the bar that was covered in blood. He was never caught. But he, but we think that that was real as far as we know so far. Yes. Real as in, well, real as in Jack the Ripper, I don't know. Yeah, but real as in like that was a real human Yeah, that was a real human being because you get the barmaid and the guy that chased him. That's two people. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, some other interesting things about Annie's murder is they did find some newspapers close by that had blood wiped on them. Hmm. So like someone's hands. Smeared, yeah. Also, this is interesting. This is interesting right here. Oh, dude, this this is a Jack the Ripper rabbit hole. This, this is what this episode is. I want you guys to decide which direction I'm going to take this. You're going to see why here in a second. You're going to see why this is so damn frustrating. So I'm going to need your help. That's why I'm doing this. It's not like a real episode. It's just kind of like, where am I going with this? Anyway, well, you'll see what I'm saying. I need to stop digressing. All right. Some other interesting things is this is when, after the Annie Chapman murder and all the newspaper drama and the leather apron, citizens, even though it's the lowest, the lower end of society, the East End, mm-hmm. they are starting to take matters into their own hands, threatening to lynch people that they think, like no one's wearing a leather apron now. Literally, it's in the paper so much that even people that wear it all the time, like butchers, will not wear it. They'll just go home with their clothes all bloody and, you know, worn. Yeah, yeah, that makes, I mean, it, that makes sense. You would, you would not dare put on a leather apron at this point. It is all over the papers. And the big question is why police aren't arresting this guy. Mm. All right. So anyway, what I was saying is it became so, this, the fear became so real that the local medical students at the university began wearing dresses, like cross-dressing, going out at night, pretending to be prostitutes, hiding revolvers in their dresses. Kind of like a sting operation. (laughs) I mean, that's what it was. Like the Reno 911 episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another thing I found interesting is Pearly Pole. <laughs> yeah. You remember Pearly Pole? I sure do remember Pearly Pole. She's the one that said it was the two military men yeah. that killed her friend. Yeah. She lived, and I found this out, she lived and knew both Martha Turner, the one she was with that night, and Annie Chapman. Wow. They both they knew each other through Pearly Pole. I believe she may be the link. become something more later. I still don't discount. And the, the fact that she's a prostitute and a woman is why police discount her statements. Mm-hmm. But let's not do that because she actually picked out two, two military men and maybe that holds some truth. Why would she lie about that? Agree. Plus, but I don't know if I don't know if the two military men are the murderers of all of the crimes. That's a good point. I feel like it's very important to distinguish exactly which one Jack the Rippers are compared to the just the Whitechapel murders. Right. Yeah. Also, what I didn't tell you is Annie Chapman's Rolly Paul. Annie Chapman's pockets were emptied and quote the arrangement of their contents with business like precision in order near her feet. 
interesting. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So about, going back to the leather apron for Martin right quick, the, the guy who owns that leather apron is the son of the landlady, the one who owns the building. His name is John Richardson. He checked the cellar that morning and he I actually have, there's a paper of him being interviewed. The reason he checks the cellar in the morning is because a couple weeks ago, there were, I believe, two saws and maybe like two shovels stolen, mm -hmm. something to that effect. So he checks it. There's a padlock on it. He checks it every morning. But he said in the papers that that spot where Annie Chapman was murdered is a prime spot for immoral activity, sex, paid sex from a prostitute. Mm -hmm. He said that he has on many occasions walked outside and caught two people in the act. Awkward. And had to shoo them off the property many times. So here, and the reason, the reason that's, the reason that's important is because Annie Chapman, are you reading ahead? You better not be. No, I'm not. Right. Annie Chapman was there to make money. Right. Like, why else would she be there? So we also know that she screamed out, no, no, or at least said that. Okay. So this guy, we're thinking now, was not interested in sex at all. He just wanted to slash her open. So this guy okay. had rused her somehow, literally like a leather apron, the leather apron guy who brings in prostitutes, says, hey, I'll, I'll, give I'll pay, money, yeah. I'll give you some money and then steals. You see how frustrating this shit is? Very frustrating. There was also another attempted murder that happened, and I didn't see this anywhere moving forward, but I, I want to throw this in here. The title is A Supposed Clue to Previous Tragedies. Another desperate assault which stopped only just short of murder was committed upon a woman in Whitechapel and on Saturday night. The victim was leaving the Forester's Music Hall, Cambridge Health Road, where she had been spending the evening with a sea captain when she was a accosted by a well-dressed man who had asked her to accompany him. Now, listen to this, because this is going to throw you off a little bit. Okay. She, she invited him to go to her apartments, and he acquiesced, requesting her, meantime, to walk a short distance with him as he wanted to meet a friend. Uh-huh. They had, they had reached a point near the scene of the murder of the Nichols woman, the one that was found on the gate, mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah, the one that was running and be banging yep. on the doors. Yep. I think. I There's so many, I can't even get them. Anyway, they had reached a point near to the scene of the murder of the woman, Nichols, when the man violently seized his companion by the throat and dragged her down a court. He was immediately joined by a gang of women and bullies who stripped the unfortunate woman of her necklace, earrings, and brooch. Let me back up. He was immediately joined by a gang of... Bullies. He was immediately joined by a gang of women and bullies. Women and bullies. It didn't say men. This is so interesting. That is interesting. He, because guess who knew both of them? Ollie, uh, Pearly Paul. Rolly Polly. Damn, that last message there from Brandon. Shit, you may be right on, my brother. Mm. What you think of that wormhole? Isn't this crazy? Yeah. I don't know what to think anymore. 
That's why I'm not, I'm not, and the next murders, I'm going to kind of spoil it. They're like two and one. We're going to do that. We're going to do okay. one on Friday, one on Saturday. Okay. Unless I, unless you guys want me to take a different direction, which you'll, you'll start to see what I'm talking about. But let me, yeah, because I don't, no one said this, right? Hurley Paul knows both of the women that we covered. Like, let's just talk about so Martha. So this is like or, a competition kind of thing? She's like, I'm going to kill off the competition? This paper right here says he was immediately joined by a gang of women and bullies. Women and bullies. What in the fucking titties? <laughs> I mean, I'm not... So Jack the Ripper is obviously not a woman. No. But it's probably some handsome, well-dressed man. And I'm gonna... Tonight's gonna be fucking nuts. Tonight's gonna make everything you're thinking of. He is butcher, surgeon, all this shit completely out the window. Okay. This is nuts, what I found. A gang of women and bullies, which, I mean, I guess, I mean, they could have saved some uh, some of the ink face there because women and bullies kind of go hand in hand. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, who stripped the unfortunate woman of her necklace, earrings, and brooch. Remember, all the victims so far had what? Their rings ripped off. Mm -hmm. So obviously there's a motive of monetary yeah. gain. Her purse was also taken and she was brutally assaulted. I think the rings, though, like, I think that was more of an afterthought. Like, it uh, it, it wasn't a robbery, you know. He could have take, just taken the rings and not done anything. I think. I he think also took the uterus. Yeah, I know. So what does he want to do with a uterus and some rings? It's a maniac. I it, don't know. It's nuts, isn't it? Yeah, but I'm saying I think the taking the rings was more of an afterthought. I don't think he's a maniac. I'm going to show you why. I think he's. Uh, how, how do you do those things and not be a maniac, you know? It's like, how is a murderer not kind of insane no matter what? And so wouldn't they all be insane for the insanity plea, you know? Her purse was also taken and she was brutally assaulted. Upon attempting to shout for aid, one of the gang laid a large knife across her throat, remarking, quote, we will serve you as we did the other. Huh? Crazy. Yes. Crazy shit. Uh, so let me talk about this leather apron. Who was arrested, which we're about to talk about. Leather apron, and this is from um, one of these papers here. I think I put this one on the Discord. He carries a razor-like knife and two weeks ago drew it on a woman called Widow Annie. Widow Annie? Mm -hmm. Annie Chapman? Mm -hmm. Two weeks before, this is before the murder. He drew, he drew it on a woman called Widow Annie as she was crossing the square near London Hospital, threatening at the same time with his ugly grin and and his malignant eyes to, quote, rip her up. He is said to be one of several men who live by this horrible system of terror and blackmail. So it's a gang. Is that what you're thinking? Sounds like it. One of the things about his appearance, which might help us in the future, a John Thimbele saw a man the morning of Annie Chapman's murder that spooked him. It got his attention. He was walking, almost running, and he had a peculiar gait, his knees not bending when he walked. Interesting. That is interesting. This is a peculiarity of Leather Apron's gait. You can get like polio? I don't know. You should ask ChatGPT if that's a thing of polio. I guess it is. Usually when they, if there's like a leg brace. Yeah, but shit. Can be worn under, because maybe he wouldn't use a, you know, walker or canes. Yeah. To be too. All right. One more before we talk about Leather Apron. Another important statement. A neighbor hearing the screams of Annie Chapman. Her name is Miss Harriet Lilly. She lives 
two doors down from the spot where the deceased was discovered. Miss Lily said, I slept in front of the house and I could hear everything that occurred in the street. On that Thursday night, I was somehow very restless. Well, I heard something. I mentioned to my husband in the morning. It was a painful moan, two or three faint gasps, and then it passed away. It was dark, but a luggage train went as I heard the sounds. There was, too, a sound of whispers underneath the window. I distinctly heard voices, multiple voices, but cannot say what was said. It was too faint. Multiple people. Mm. Let's talk about this guy. I, like, do you think that the multiple people could have just been one person plus victim? Not necessarily the gang, like a potential victim. Maybe. <sighs> Maybe. That's that's where my Maybe, head baby. went initially with that. Maybe, baby. Maybe, baby. What's that from? I remember. Somebody asked the other day about the soldier who was visiting Annie on the weekends. He was found and they did let him go. Mm. I, I don't know why they let him go because this Saturday, I guess he may have heard about the murder, but he sure as hell didn't try to visit her that night. But just wanted, to, I did see a little blip in that. So I wanted to at least bring that up. Hmm. Leather apron. Let's do it. The leather apron confession. I'm going to read the leather apron confession. There's a confession, is there? Yeah. All right, let me see. Um, let's see. Do-do-do. This leather apron for two days lived or didn't live, hid out in his house. And and I kind of understand why. He's seeing the word leather apron on every paper and he knows he goes by leather apron and that's what people know him by. So he basically hides out in his mama's house mm-hmm. for two days until the police come find him. And so he is kind of avoiding getting caught. But also you got to you gotta remember, they, people were trying to lynch right. sus. Specs, you know, mm-hmm. but let me tell you a little bit about Leather Apron. John Pfizer, P-S-I-E-R, Sire. John Sire was Leather Apron. He was arrested at his house and a couple things were seized. Tools and boot finishings were mm-hmm. seized at his house. And he lived with his brother, sister, and stepmother. Also seized from his house was a bundle of clothes that were bloody. That doesn't look good. That does not look good. The detective and the the uh, chief of police arrive at his home. And as soon as he, John Sire, opens the door, the chief of police says, quote, just the man I want to see. Now, did he have a leather apron because he was a butcher? Is that confirmed? He was known as Leather Apron. That's what everyone called him because he never took it off. He and all, he was a butcher. Uh, no, he's a he's a, a shoemaker. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Which is you know kind of goes back to him the sneaking quiet, up on quiet. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He, okay, sorry, coming back to me now. At the time, he was living with his brother, sister, and stepmother, and he had admitted to being in Brick Lane that Saturday morning during the Annie Chapman. Murder. Murder, and he did have a wound to his hand. He said a woman bit him on the hand. Uh, so far, this is not tracking well for him. <laughs> uh, I will say they did let the apron go, but I am not done with him. A, a little bit more. We're going to read his confession, but I am not done with him. He, he can't fool it. He can't fool me. Um, uh, let me see. Are his like brother or his. So his brother was at work when he got arrested. Like, who is he? We need to look into him. Anyway, his stepmother and sister-in-law said that John Leather Apron came home at 1030 on that night when Annie murder when Annie Chapman was murdered. And since then, he did 
not leave the house. He also has ill health and he's not very strong. Six weeks ago, he left the convalescent home due to a carbuncle in the stomach. The fuck's a carbuncle? (laughs) No idea. Is that like like an ulcer maybe? I don't know. Maybe. I was thinking of Rocky and carbuncle. (laughs) 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 Bullwinkle. In his possession were sev- in his possession several long knives and several hats. Like top hats, isn't that what you always see Jack the Ripper in? Yeah, yeah. In there, the illustrations. All right, here is old Leather Apron's interview. Here, uh, he went in willingly, and let's see. He says the following: When I arrived at the police station, the police searched me. Naturally, I suppose, and and so he doesn't sound like the Leather Apron from Chainsaw Massacre. So just think of, don't think of that. Remember how. I'll show you that picture. I suppose, and in the usual way, they took everything from me, which I suppose is according to the customs and laws of the country. I know of no crime. I have been connected with no crime, and my character will bear the strictest investigation both by my co-religionist and the gutiles whom I've worked for. I am generally most of my time here except when I go away to get anything that might be beneficial to me. I occasionally stayed at a lar- at a lodging house. Hmm. but not on Dorset Street. Last Sunday week, I was accosted in Church Street by two females unknown to me. One asked me, are you the man? Presumably referring to the Bucks Row murderer. I said, God forbid, my good woman. This is an interview. They let him go. But here's what I here's what I did see in one paper that I do want to revisit. Do you know why it took the police so long to arrest this guy? Why? Because the, the, chief, the chief constable... Mm-hmm had known Leather Apron for 18 years, and they were friends. Oh! So I'm not finished with Leather Apron. Oh, damn! That's interesting. I know, right? 18 years. That's why he didn't arrest him. Wow. And then they let him go, like right after they freaking... Wow. Now, they do arrest a lot of people, I will say. Okay, so we shouldn't shouldn't be too enamored by Leather Apron? All right, now let me let me get on to what we need to get on to. Let me let me just take let me just blow everyone's load. I mean mine. <laughs> I was looking at Brandon's. <laughs> that was a, a cow. <laughs> let me blow everyone's load right quick. <laughs> All right. Before I get into this, which is going to drive you nuts and blow your mind. I do like these chairs. So comfortable. I know. You were talking shit about them. Well, I, they're just hard to get out of. Yeah. I want to talk um, real quick about the jaw because this is very interesting. The jaw. Do you remember how I said on both victims there were distinct bruising on the jaw? Mm-hmm. All right. So there was a redaction by the coroner. He said that during his first exam, examination, he said that this was maybe because she was slapped around or whatever. But the coroner, it appears to me, the coroner says, it appears to me necessary that all the evidence that's, that you ascertain from the post-mortem examination should be on the records of the court for various reasons. However painful it may be, it is necessary, yada, yada. He talks about how he needs to retract an, an initial statement and because new evidence. He said basically, the coroner said that the chin being bruised was being slapped 
around. However, this is very interesting. On the last occasion, just before I left the court, I mentioned to you there were reasons I thought the perpetrator of the cut upon the woman's throat had caught hold of her chin, and it was in consequence of being immediately able to read the notes that I was unable to come to that conclusion. I should like to follow that up. On the lower jaw, there were three scratches, one and a half to two inches below the lower lobe of the ear, going in contrary direction to the incision in the throat. These were of recent date. There, That means she wasn't bruised prior to being killed by some other man. This was on the, the date. There was a bruise on the buccal region in the right cheek and at a corresponding point with the abrasions of the right side was a well-marked bruise. I watched these bruises and they became much more distinct, whereas the bruises mentioned in my last evidence remained the same. These were indications that led me to the conclusion I mentioned in my previous evidence. And the coroner said, what conclusion? That the perpetrator of the crime seized hold of the chin in making the incision to the neck. So he actually holds the chin systematically and cuts. That's going to be really important right now because okay. I'm, I'm getting into it right now. This is okay. this is it. Let's talk about the uterus. Tell me where that is. I'm not being funny. I'm trying to make a point. Stomach? Like lower below your belly button? Um, Not your. My. Tell me how long it would take for you to cut out a uterus. Let's say if you were a maniac, you want to cut out a uterus. Don't think about it too much. Just tell me. Two minutes. What about everyone else out there? How long would it take you to cut out a woman's uterus? It would take you two minutes. Freaking psychopath. <laughs> two minutes is a long time she if you're is, focusing on something she, for a while. She is also screaming bloody murder, okay? okay? Oh, she ain't dead yet. No. How the deed was committed. First, from that newspaper that you read earlier, uh, just let me reiterate on that one so you know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. The uterus had been taken away. The body had not been dissected dissected, but the injuries have been made. All right, you ready? Yeah. Uh, I don't even want to go down this route. You just got to. You have to. Her rings had been wrenched from her fingers and have not been found, and the uterus had been taken away. The body has not been dissected, but the injuries have been made by some person who evidently had considerable anatomical skill and knowledge. He wanted the uterus. Okay. The whole time. That was his goal. It makes sense now why he waited till daylight because even the most skilled surgeon needs light. He did this in the light of day. Okay. By so, some so person, this is where the surgeon doctor by, thing comes in. By some person who evidently had considerable anatomical skill and knowledge. There are, I'm reading this straight from the paper. There are no... Yeah, I was thinking, is more than one uterus, uteri? There are no meaningless cuts. Now listen to all of this. It's okay. very important. Don't look at your computers and listen to this. I'm not. So there's no hold on, hold poking on. around ha looking ha for it. There are no meaningless cuts. Let's go back to timeline real quick. The body was found a little bit before six. The last guy there was at like 535, 540. So within, within a few minutes, within five minutes or less, the organ had been taken by one 
who knew where to find it, what difficulties he would have to contend against, and how he should use his knife so as to abstract the organ without injury to it. It's a small thing, could very well get punctured. No unskilled person, no unskilled person could have known where to find it or have recognized it when it was found. For instance, no mere slaughterer of animals could have carried out these operations. There's your horse killer. There's your or horse butcher. slaughterer. It must have been someone accustomed to the post-mortem room. The conclusion that mortician. The conclusion that the conclusion that the desire was to possess the missing organ seems overwhelming. If the object were robbery, the injuries to the viscera were meaningless, for death had previously resulted from the loss of blood at the neck. The difficulty in believing that the purport of the murderer was the was the possession of the uterus is natural. It is abhorrent to our feelings to conclude that a life should be taken for so slight an object. But hold on, hold on. It gets it gets a little bit better. Brandon, apparently it would only take you 30 seconds <laughs> if you know, uh, know all that. Yeah, hold on, hold on a second. It gets a little better. So that, it kind of, it kind of, I'm, I'm about to go crazy with it. You know, it kind of makes the robbery of the ring seem so stupid. It, it almost makes it like, here, I want them it's to think. It's an afterthought. No, I, I think it's more like I, I want them to think it's a robbery. Oh. He, this guy is stealing fake rings, but he is skilled in the most the most delicate of anatomical surgery. You don't think he would know what a fake effing ring is? There's no point in taking it. He wants the uterus for other reasons. Interesting. I mean, has this... <laughs> Brandon had said, you have to cut the pu- cut down to the pubic bone as partially in the way. And that's what, what made me say that that comment. And, I, uh, and he says, I mean, I've seen three kids emerge. Ain't too many other oh, spots for it to be. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's gross, man. <laughs> Can you imagine a baby's face coming out? Like, the, what comes Some out Some people first? call that beautiful. Yeah, I guess. I guess I hear that a lot. Yeah. But what, so what do you think? Are you thinking it's the... Uh, well, now all of a sudden we're nowhere near a cobbler unless he moonlights as a mortician or a surgeon, you know? Now we're now we're at someone in a medical or somebody who works with dead people. Oh, here it is right here. This is what I wanted. Okay. This is from Dr. Phillips in the corner. Dr. Phillips proceeded to give details of the postmortem examination he had made on the body. He stated that two important abdominal parts were missing. He repeated his opinion, derived from the character of the incisions, that the length of the instrument, instrument with which they were made must have been at least five or six inches, and the incisions indicated a certain amount of anatomical knowledge. The uterus was entirely removed, and the nature of these incisions and other circumstances Circumstances indicated that the object of the operator was to obtain its possession. The coroner asked the following. Can you give any idea how long it would take you, Dr. Phillips, to produce all the injuries that were found on the body to the deceased? I think I can guide you by saying that myself could have not performed the injuries I saw on that woman and affect them even without a struggle under a quarter of an hour. If I had done it in a deliberate way, such as would fall to the duties of a surgeon, it would probably have taken me the best part of an hour. The whole inference seems to 
to be that the operation was performed to enable the man to take possession of the uterus. He just said that it would take him the best part of an hour, a skilled surgeon, to take out the uterus as that woman screaming. And this guy did it within seconds. Minutes. A minute. Well, seconds. So what do you make of that? He's he's London's best surgeon? Well, here's what I think of that. You, you, I told you I was going to blow your mind and I haven't yet. So I'm This gonna, wasn't it. It is, but kind of. Just okay. one second. I found another piece of paper. A startling communication. It has been suggested that the criminal is a lunatic with morbid feelings. This may or may not be the case, but the object of the murderer appears palpably shown by the facts and it is not necessary to assume lunacy or it is clear that there is a market for the missing organ. To show you this, this is going to blow your effing mind. To show you this, I must mention a fact which at the same time proves the assistance which publicly, which publicity and the newspaper press afford in the detection of crime. Within a few hours of the issue of the morning papers containing a report of the medical evidence given at the last sitting of the court, I received a communication from an officer of one of our great medical schools that they had information which might or might not have a distinct bearing to our inquiry. I attended at the first opportunity and was informed by the sub-curator of the Pathological Museum that some months ago, an American called and asked him to procure a number of specimens of the organ, a number of uteruses that... <laughs> Hold on. An American called and asked him to produce a number of specimens of the organ that was missing in the deceased. He stated his willingness to give 20, I think it's like 20, whatever the currency is. Um, pounds? Twenty. Yeah. His willingness to give 20 pounds a piece for each specimen. He stated that his object was to issue an actual specimen, which each copy of a publication on which he was then engaged. He was told that his request was not, was impossible to be complied with, but still urged his request. He wished them preserved not in spirits of wine, the usual medium, but in glycerin in order to preserve them in a flaccid condition. And he wished them sent to America direct. It is known that his request was repeated to another institution of a similar character. Now, is it not possible that the knowledge of this demand may have incited some abandoned wretch to possess himself of a specimen? What do you think? Interesting. I read that. I read that. And immediately I thought, and someone mentioned this before, I immediately thought of H.H. Holmes. And I was like, I don't have to worry about it because it wasn't during the same time period. But was he in London at that time period? H.H. Holmes was arrested for murder 1891, three years after. Yeah, but was he in London during that time period? I don't know. And I can't... There's not let me, let me let me let me just say one thing. I don't know if you know this. I do know H- that some on. people speculate it's the same person. I want to say that the reason H.H. Holmes is considered a suspect to be Jack the Ripper is because his great, 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 great nephew, grandson, whatever, wrote a nonfiction book. Or excuse me, wrote a fictional novel, a novel that he made up and he admitted it. Wait, who who did this? The great, great grandson of H.H. Holmes, whose real name, H.H. Holmes wasn't his real 
real name. Right. It was Mudget. Yep. Herman Mudget or something Mudget. Herman Webster Mudget, I think. So his great-great-grandson wrote a fictional novel, which is fake. Or it's not a fake, but like a just a entertainment it, piece. It, is it kind of like uh, O.J. Simpson's If I Did It? <laughs> he said that he found a diary that admitted to all this from his great-great-great-grandpoppy, Mudget, H.H. H. Holmes. That's a fictional account. That's how that rumor got started. If you didn't know, H.H. H. Holmes is not his real name. It is Mudget. Mudget did have a daughter born in London and was most likely visiting London around this time. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> but there's something else that I am still researching that is driving me crazy, and this is what I want your help on. Let's talk about the description of the man they think is Jack the Ripper. In addition to his former description, we should know that, and this is from a witness, we should know that he was a foreigner, a little taller than the deceased, with a, quote, brown deer stalker hat on his head. He was seen wearing a dark coat on his back and a brown deer stalker hat. So I looked up. Well, what's a deer stalker hat? Do you know? It's the hat that is seen by AJ Tomes being worn. This is a deer stalker hat. I don't know if you guys can see that. Sorry, it's not hooked up. Oh, yeah. Like a Sherlock Holmes hat. Like a what? Sherlock Holmes. Like a what? Sherlock Holmes. H.H. Holmes <laughs> is an alias, most likely made up from... Sherlock Holmes? Who wore this hat all the time. Jack the Ripper was seen with the same type of hat that Sherlock Holmes wore. H.H. Holmes was one of many aliases, but it is very interesting that around the same time as Sherlock Holmes came out, H.H. Holmes, which we can only guess he had made the name from one of his favorite characters, Sherlock Holmes. He had came up with that name based on Sherlock Holmes. And Sherlock Holmes is the only person I know that wears a deerstalker hat. And that's what everyone thinks of when they see Sherlock Holmes. That is a coincidence, if not any. There is one, there, here's what I've been trying to do. Holmes is the last name. H.H. Holmes, that's a made up name. Where did he pull that from? We know that Jack the Ripper, when he killed um, Annie, someone reported he was wearing a deer stalker hat like Sherlock Holmes would wear and a dark coat. It's just so interesting that, do, do you, those things kind of line up a little bit? I it's very interesting. It's very interesting. I'm not saying that Jack the Ripper is is H. H. Holmes. It's a we got a hot another hot lead. But here's where I'm at. H. H. Holmes was a very good surgeon, and he spent a lot of time in the post-mortem room because he was digging up bodies. No one really knows this because they all think of the murder castle. H. H. Holmes, to best put it, do you remember that Nico Clow book we read about that vampire who got it, or he was just this kid who really loved dead bodies, and he started to work in the post-mortem room and he would like, the bodies would talk to him. He was just real fucked up and deranged. He's still alive. He's out of prison. You remember that guy? I, read I remember the name. Yeah, so reading his book, he's a lot like H.H. Holmes was. He was obsessed with the dead. H.H. Holmes dug up a lot of bodies mm -hmm. before he became the murder castle guy. Yeah. Okay. I mean, a lot of bodies. So he would have knowledge in the post-mortem room more than just a regular surgeon would. He has a daughter that was born in London. And at this time, in this same month, 
in the same month, okay, this is this is crazy. If I can, if I can find, and I can't, I haven't pinpointed it yet, but is it possible for HH Holmes to go to London? Yes, and back. We have the American that called requesting these organs, and he would pay a pretty penny for them. Mm-hmm. He has one of his children born in London that he probably sees all the time. I found during the time, so HH Holmes was making his murder castle around this time in, in 1988. Or 1888, and he was getting sued by this one company. The company was suing him in September. If I can find out if he, when he was brought to court, Mm -hmm. because if he was brought to court on the 10th or whatever in Chicago, then he's not the killer. Right. But I I don't think there's any other way to know for sure unless we can map out his whereabouts during this time. Because he could have went overseas. It's not a big possibility. It's not not a big, uh, it's not, it's not a big, uh, I mean, it's a lot easier nowadays, but you know what I'm saying? I don't know. What do you think? Tell me what you think. I'm just rambling here. This is very interesting. I know that there are a lot of people who have speculated this before, that well, H.H. Holmes and Jack the Ripper are the same. It is because of the great-grandson who wrote that novel. I'm not, he put it out as a novel, and obviously when he went on book tours or whatever, I didn't read it, but this is what I've kind of researched. He said he found these diaries, and here's the thing about H.H. Is H. that H. bullshit to sell the book, or well, here's the thing. Know. Here's the thing about H.H. Holmes. We all think of him as the Chicago Fair murder house. Mm-hmm. No, he's done a lot more than that. Like he's killed people on the road that were not even connected to the murder house. You know, he's done a lot of killings. Right. Not just in his murder house. So I can easily see him doing this. And the deerstalker hat that Sherlock Holmes wears is just driving me up the effing wall. So you think he's bringing the uterus, the uteri back with him to America? I don't know. I want I want you to tell me what do I need to do? Should I start on H.H. Holmes since it does intersect? I mean, H.H. Holmes is, I could go into his medical practices where he's digging up bodies. I do think we should finish the Jack the Ripper first because you'll you'll know whether or not H.H. Holmes can be ruled out based when you finish the timeline of Jack the Ripper. Yeah. And then well, I he think can't he, be ruled out. Not at this point. H.H. Holmes wasn't arrested till years later and in Chicago. Mm-hmm. No, I know, but we need to know when all the murders were for Jack the Ripper. All right. Like at least the canonical ones. So that'll be this week and I'll finish that. Okay. And then... And then we'll start on HH. Because there are more Whitechapel murders and there's more Tim's murders, even after the Jack the Ripper murders. But they may not all be the same person, though. Like the the one with the uterus is different. Different than what? The other ones? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking, too. I'm thinking this canonical five thing is bullshit. Maybe. But you remember at the Annie, the one we just talked about with the uterus, There, he wrote on the wall, you know, 15 more to go or something. Was it like five down, 15 more to go? So he, mm. he not only got the uterus out, so here's what he did. Okay, so he didn't take the uterus when she was alive or she was dying, but he methodically, and, I, and I've heard this well-dressed man plenty of times. He lured her in there. He was a well-dressed man who lured her in. Immediately when they got in there, he grabbed her jaw at a specific place like he's done it a hundred times. And he immediately, remember how I said he stabbed 
stabbed in the side of the neck. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was weird. Yeah, he was just severing the windpipe so she wouldn't scream. As soon as he did that, he goes straight for the gut and slices it open. It's still holding the, the neck so she can't scream, or the jaw. Still holding the jaw so she can't scream. And then just reaches it in without damaging the uterus and pulls it out. Then he writes something on the wall. And then he then he escapes in broad daylight. I mean, dude, he... I get the surgeon thing now. She just like could see Stella's eyeball was like right there in the corner of my... Guys, I'm trying to do this story Sorry. well. I know I'm harping on this and go, but I want to I want to throw a name out, dude, because I think I can I think I can bring something to the table, if not a lot, something. Well, I think we have to finish at, like going through the murders, whether the canonical 5, the Whitechapel murders. I think we have to go through them because we want to know which of those are so surgical in this manner that we can say, "Okay, that's one that we're going to have to hang on to dates." and timeframes and whether that's going to track with H.H. Holmes's timeline. So I do think we kind of have to finish the the rest of the Whitechapel murders What do you guys first think? would be my recommendation. The next two... Because otherwise I feel like we're not going to finish Jack the Ripper either. Yeah, you're right. And I, are you guys okay with that? I know like doing one story for like 10 episodes, it, is, that, is that okay with you guys? I, I just hope I'm not losing anyone, you know, because I know it's a lot. Especially if you're not into Jack the Ripper, you're like, what the fuck? I mean, you could just like make this this whole standalone podcast. But like, I don't, like I came into this. I mean, I've been doing this for a while, you know? Like who's, who is throwing all these theories out? I mean, they're no better than me. Yeah. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. If I was to do Dahmer now, it'd be 30 episodes. But see, it's different though, because Dahmer is caught. Mm. I bet. But but I think the the exciting thing is we might be able to piece this together and have a real, you know, it's not like we're going to land a conviction at this point, but we I think the point is we could at least say it's p- possible or highly likely it's so-and-so. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I didn't want to believe as a surgeon, but that, I think you could, if you figure, if if, you, if we damn, can come with the recommendation that we feel it, we really stand behind with research, we could write a book about it. But that the 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 speed at which he took that out is unmatched. Yeah. And and the reason he did, so at first I thought, well, he's a maniac. What an idiot doing it at daylight. But it wasn't daylight. It was the break of dawn. You understand that? Or dusk. Which one's which? Dawn? When the sun dawn. comes up? It was the break of dawn. Does that does that not add a lot more weight to it? At first it's like, oh, what a fucking idiot. He almost got caught because it was daylight. But now looking at it as the break of dawn looks like he methodically planned that because he needed just a little light because there was none. He needed just a teeny bit of light and he knew exactly where to go. What the fuck? I wonder what H.H. Holmes wanted with uteruses to begin with. I don't know. Apparently we won't know until we finish Jack the Ripper. (laughs) Well, I I will eagerly await. Uh, What was everyone thinking out there? (laughs) Shit. These chairs are comfortable. These episodes are kind of going more relaxed. (laughs) Well, yeah, Brandon thinks it's to eat them. Wait, he did say in that one letter. Shit, we still got letters to do. And oh, my Uh, God. There's a lot left. Uh, Are you guys good with it? If I just keep doing Jack the Ripper until we're fucking done with it. I bet like regular listeners are like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. So is this hurricane over or what? I I think it's 
I think it's winding down. I'm still not comfortable with the dogs walking out there by themselves. Did you did you get that H. H. Holmes Sherlock Holmes thing, or, or am I stretching yeah. that? No. Is it not weird that he was seen wearing that same hat that Very Sherlock Holmes wears? I mean, H. H. Holmes is known to wear a bowler hat. So, but it's interesting. But when, when in London, I know. But like a hat is his thing in general. Were hats just big that back then in general? I get. Yeah, I guess so. But. I don't know. It's interesting. Like it could, I could easily see it like, oh, this is my Chicago persona with the bowler. This is my London persona with the Sherlock Holmes hat. If I can find evidence in a timeline where he's visited London a lot, then uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know what I was because thinking? I don't think I think the difference with with the possibility is that all of the I don't think all of the Whitechapel murders are from this are the same person. I don't think so either. I think some are gang related. I think some like one could have been the leather apron guy. One could have been, you know what I mean? I'm like, just thinking that too. I'm thinking most of them are gangs, and then um, you know, H. H. Holmes is over there reading the paper. Like, hmm, I can get some free uteruses out of this. Or excuse me, uteri. I can get some, I can get some. (laughs) We don't know the correct term. (laughs) I can get a couple uteri out of all this action, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. I know it, Stella. So that's it. She is like, I want to go explore in the hurricane. This is a rabbit hole. Yeah. I want to start a podcast. If I if I start a conspiracy podcast about rabbit holes, I want to name it Rabbit's Hole. Like it's butthole. <laughs> Down the rabbit's the hole. The boy's hole. <laughs> rabbit's hole. People are like, what? <laughs> You gotta pay the toll to get in the rabbits. And it'd be like a, it'd, the front of the cover would be like a tunnel going down, and then a rabbit would be looking back. Smiling. Or, oh, you can use like um, from, you know, the Bob's Burgers uh, yeah, episode? Yeah. <laughs> rabbit's hole. Uh, oh my gosh. Uh, good night, you lovely, lovely people. 